Odin was a warrior from the land of the midnight sun with a Thompson gun for hire fighting to be done the deal was made in Denmark on a dark and stormy day so it set out for Biafra to join hello everyone Bob Maine here with another episode of the handgun world podcast episode 600. And 34. This episode, I want to talk about some new shooters recently that I had a time to take shooting and do a little bit of training with them recently. Most of them new, one not so new, and I'm going to talk about that. This episode is probably going to hit home with a lot of people that may not have a whole lot of experience right now, relatively new to firearms, concealed carry, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. But all you experienced folks, uh, be sure to stay, stay tuned in because I got some good information and knowledge for you too. I've been away for a few weeks. I'm back. Took a little bit of time off. Had to go to a company sales meeting. Then I went to see my mother. My mother out in East Tennessee who is having a few challenges. But she's getting a whole lot better. So I had a good time spending time with mom and also the new shooters, which I'm about to talk about. Please remember that this show is entirely listener supported. So if you like what you hear and this helps you, please consider joining my Patreon page. I got a lot of members, but not quite enough. And I need your support. And in return for your little sum is three dollars a month in return you have access to custom videos custom audio podcasts and even an article that i wrote called because i can't carry a cop and it's a great article about concealed carry you'll get that free just by being a patreon member for as little as three dollars a month head on over to my patreon.com slash handgun world page so let's get right into the main topic first i want to talk a little bit about shadow systems now this doesn't have anything to do with the new shooters so i guess i, I technically i have two main topics here's the first one shadow systems as you probably mostly no these are my primary handguns right now i have four shadow systems handguns i really really like them and i rely on their guns for self-defense i do have a sig p365 that i carry a lot so i rely right now on shadow systems and sig my p365 and then the one of the four shadow systems pistols that i have Recently, my DR920, my Shadow Systems DR920, it's basically the same size as a Glock 17. And really, it's a super fancy, highly improved Glock 17. Recently, I sent it back to Shadow Systems. Now, I've owned this gun almost two years, and I just didn't like the trigger. The other three shadow guns I have, the MR920, the CR920, and the DR920P, their triggers are great. This DR920 Elite version, 
it wasn't so good. And I thought, you know, I bought the Elite version. So I set up an RMA and I sent it back to Shadow Systems. They had it a few weeks and they sent it back to me after a few weeks with a note stating that they upgraded the trigger parts with their newer version trigger parts. Apparently this gun had the older version of Shadow Systems trigger parts. I must pay Shadow Systems a very huge compliment right now because when I got this back the trigger was five times better than when I sent it to him. They really smoothed it out. They smoothed it out and it's a good crisp trigger pull. It's smooth and it had a good break. And here's the problem it used to have is uh, I'll try to get this closer to the mic. When the shot broke, during my dry fire, I was not able to hold the sights still. And no other gun I had experienced that problem. Anything else, when I dry fire, and I dry fire a lot, folks. you got to dry fire practice. In fact, when I trained the new shooters um, last week, I started them off with a lot of dry fire. Hopefully they didn't get too frustrated with me, but I had to make sure that they got their dry fire drills in. That That's the way I roll when I'm teaching as an instructor. You're going to do some dry fire, not an excessive amount, because in my, in my belief, nothing beats live fire. No training beats live fire. But I got to see people dry fire first so I can make sure first that they're safe. Second, that they've got the fundamentals at least somewhat figured out. And third, it gets them that trigger practice. And I help them concentrate on how to press the trigger and break the shot so that the sights don't move. Uh, I just could not do that with this, with this DR920B. So I sent it to Shadow Systems. Let me tell you what, now that I got this back, these sights do not move at all when I press the trigger. None. The trigger was bad enough to where no matter how I gripped and no matter how I concentrated and how slow my trigger press was and how deliberate, I couldn't hold the gun still, but now I can. So great job, Shadow Systems. Great job. This is what I like in a manufacturer. I like a company that believes that their products are top-notch and should always be top-notch and that the customer should be happy. If you have happy customers, you're going to have a successful business. I don't care what it is, if it's firearms or any other product. If you have happy customers and you provide them good customer service, it all comes down to that and what a lost art it is in America today, in my opinion. In my opinion, customer service is a lost art in American business. It's so sad. But I'm going to say great things about Shadow Systems customer service. And this gun also, I must have got one of the really early DR920Ps because the slide release was a lot different when I got it. It was more like a standard Glock slide release. I don't like the standard Glock slide release. I don't like that. Or slide lock. I call it a slide release. It's also a slide lock. You can give it both names because it can do both 
jobs. So I called them up and they said I had an older version and they sent me a new version. This was before the trigger uh, issue and uh, I put the new version slide release on and I just like it so much better. Uh, in competition shooting, I use the slide release to send the slide home. If I'm defensive shooting and I'm going to be taking a course coming up soon where I am going to be practicing my defensive shooting, and I'll talk about that in a future podcast coming up, then I use what I like to call the slingshot method, which means I'm just pulling back on the rear of the slide and slingshotting it forward, basically, is the best description I can make. Uh, anyway. The new slide release, the improved trigger that Shadow Systems sent back to me, wow. Uh, I haven't had a chance to go out to the range and shoot this yet with the new trigger parts, but way to go. And it was done by Shadow Systems. It wasn't done by me. So I think that's a big plus. And this is probably now easily, easily going to be my favorite duty size and mostly competition firearm this dr920p oh i mean dr920 now i have a dr920p with a compensator on it and i'm really looking forward to giving that a thousand round trigger job as soon as i can but that's not considered my self-defense gun until it has a thousand round trigger job okay I am not a paid spokesperson for Shadow Systems. Not in any way, shape, or form. But I own four of their firearms and I have to pay I have to pay a compliment where it's due. And it is due. And Shadow Systems, you did a great job. I highly recommend their firearms. Alright. Now I'll shift gears. Talk about some new shooters. So while I was out in East Tennessee, a beautiful, beautiful part of the country, my parents have lived out there 23 years. My sister lives out there with her family. Uh, man, I like East Tennessee. They wanted me to give them some shooting lessons, and so I did. It was fun. I 95% of the chance, uh, the time, 95% of the time, I jump at the chance. To give some shooting lessons. And so. I had my sister there. I had her mother-in-law there. And I had an 11 year old girl. Who was my sister's stepdaughter. And I had their father there. My sister's husband. And it was great. Now my sister's husband. Um, is a ex-military. In the army. So I'm not going to classify him as a new shooter. He was not. He was good. However, he did tell me that when he was in the Army for 10 years, he rarely ever got any trigger time with his pistol and really no formal training with his pistol. Rifle only is what they spent time on and what they trained in. So... A lot of you who are listening to this that think that ex-military people, that they're all experts with a handgun, uh, you might want to think again. It's not always true. Some are. Some are. Some special forces, some military, uh, ex-military. Some of them are 
very good with a handgun. Maybe they were part of a unit that used handguns a lot. You know, maybe they just sought out a lot of training on their own with handguns, but it's rare. It's rare. So he welcomed some training with his handgun. Also, he probably could train me with a rifle because uh, I'm not all that great with a rifle. But anyway, the others were relatively new. My sister's had a Glock 42 for four or five years now, but I can tell she doesn't really shoot too much. And, you know, when I had her in, in my little class, I could tell that she didn't shoot too much. She needs to get out and practice more. And then her mother-in-law didn't really was not a big shooter either. And the 11-year-old girl shot a handgun for the very first time. So these were new shooters. I'll, I'll give you a few takeaways from that mm, roughly two-and-a-half-hour class that I gave them. First of all, let's start with the 11-year-old girl. I'm not going to be mentioning names, but anyway. She really did a good job. She was afraid at first. She had a lot of fear. A lot of fear about the gun. I'm not quite sure why, but about the handgun, she had fear. I think she thought that it was going to hurt her. I don't think she has a bad history with handguns. I just think that she thought that she was going to somehow get hurt. And so after going through a lot of safety training with all four of them, I did what is necessary, and I went through a lot of safety training with them. After doing that, I put a fourth-generation Glock 19 in her hands. Uh, I did not take any of my weapons with me on the trip. Um, there's a reason why I didn't on this last trip. I could have. I was going to Tennessee, a gun-friendly state, but I did not. So I used their guns. And in a minute, I'm going to tell you what guns were there. But 11-year-old girl never shot a handgun before. I put a Glock, Glock 19 fourth generation in her hands. That's what her father had. It took about five rounds, and then she finally settled in. She was quite nervous quite nervous and I mean her hands were shaking but she had no problem handling that fourth gen G19 nine millimeter no problem the idea that new shooters have to have a 22 to start I don't completely buy that now I think a 22 is a good gun a good handgun to start new shooters if it's reliable if it's reliable let me tell you what there's nothing more frustrating for a new shooter than getting a jam and even those of us who are experienced how many of you really you know like that it irritates me to no end when i get a malfunction it really irritates me and i've been you know doing this a real long time and, and so have a lot of you a lot of you listening you've been doing it for a long time malfunctions are frustrating so be careful training somebody and starting them off with a 22 Make sure it's a reliable 22, okay? 22s can be great. They can be fun. They can be great for training new shooters, but you don't get a lot of training other than clearing malfunctions if your gun doesn't work very well. I knew that 4th Gen G19 was going to work flawlessly, and it did. She had no problem handling it. Next, I put a Glock 42 in 380 in her hand and she shot several rounds with that take a guess which of those guns that she liked best 11 year old girl never shot a handgun before the fourth gen glock 19 is what she liked the best because after shooting it her feedback to me was 
it's more fun to shoot, it's easier to control. Now the Glock 42 I highly recommend for new shooters as well, but it can be somewhat snappy. It's not as snappy as little tiny 380s, which I'm going to talk about soon. But she liked the G19. Now she's a bigger girl for 11 years old. She's pretty hefty and uh, she's got good, you know, big fairly big hands for an 11-year-old girl. She's got a lot of upper body strength for an 11-year-old girl. And guess what? She was able to handle that Glock 19 very, very well. So she liked it. On the table was also a Smith & Wesson Bodyguard 380 and a Smith & Wesson EZ 9mm. Everybody shot those guns. Everybody shot all four. Everybody shot all four. And the ones that they seemed to like most were the G19 and the G42. And this is not a Glock commercial either. I'm just, this is experience, okay? Let's talk about the Smith & Wesson Bodyguard 380, a gun I used to own several, several years ago. The reason that my sister's mother-in-law had the Bodyguard 380, uh, and this, this really frustrates me about um, the gun community right here, what I'm about to say. I shouldn't say the gun community. It, it frustrates me about some men who are supposedly gun experts. The mother-in-law told me that her husband bought the 380 bodyguard for her because she wanted something that was convenient and easy to shoot. And she told him, I want something convenient and easy to shoot. So what does he do? He goes out and he buys her a Smith & Wesson Bodyguard 380. Now, I had her shoot that in this new shooter's lesson. She hated it. She told me she had only shot it, I think, half a dozen rounds before, and that was a long time ago. She did not like it. I had my sister shoot it. She did not like it. I shot it. I shot it well, but I really didn't like it. And my brother-in-law, big guy, army guy, 6'4", about 260 pounds, he, he didn't like shooting that little Smith & Wesson bodyguard. And his hands were way too big for it. So, husbands, don't go buy your wife a gun. Please don't do it. If she wants a gun, let her pick it out. Take her to the range. Pay the money to rent several guns. Pay the money to rent four, five, or six guns, whatever it takes, and let her figure out what she wants. Don't go buy her something and hand it to it and say, here, this is yours. Um, just don't do that. I mean, most of the time, that does not work out, guys. Fellas, I'm telling you, most of the time, that does not work out. Please, just don't do it. Now, let's talk about the Smith & Wesson EZ 9mm. Uh, there's something I really like about that gun, the trigger. The trigger was outstanding on that gun. Outstanding. Smith & Wesson EZ 9mm. But the new shooters couldn't shoot that gun very well. They could not shoot it very well. And there's a few reasons why. One of them was the grip safety. I do not like the grip safety on the Smith & Wesson EZ 9mm. New shooters that don't know how to grip a gun properly, and, and I, worked, I worked on that with them. Grip was one of the first things that we did. 
in my lesson. Grip is important. But new shooters still struggle with the grip until they practice and really master a good grip. And when they have not mastered a good grip, that grip safety can be problematic, really problematic. Um, I noticed it when I picked up the gun and shot it. Very accurate gun. But the most important thing about a self-defense handgun is it's got to be able to work, and it's got to work every time, no matter what kind of grip you have on the gun. You have to at least be able to get one shot off. And some of the new shooters struggled. They would press the trigger and nothing would happen because they were not, they didn't have a good enough grip. They didn't disengage the grip safety good enough to be able to get off the first shot. I think a grip safety is absolutely unnecessary on a self-defense handgun. And yes, I'm sorry, 1911 shooters, I think the grip safety is not necessary. The thumb safety is different. Okay? Now, if you got a single action gun, a thumb safety is necessary. Now, on 1911s, I know there's a lot of very good quality grip safeties, you know, with memory memory grooves, memory bumps, whatever they call them, and, and they're the, the safety's tuned just right so that, you know, the grip safety's not a problem. You can fire the gun and it's not a problem. But Smith & Wesson, I don't think, did a very good job with it on their easy 9mm. Uh, I just don't think they did. And you notice with the new Springfield Echelon, you notice that there's no grip safety. I think Springfield realized that that was kind of problematic. And I'm sorry if I might be offending some people here. I hope I'm not. I, I, don't, want, I don't want to offend you. I'm just giving you my personal opinions. Um, you know, take it for what it's worth. But, uh, you know, I, I would not have a gun with a grip safety. I don't mind the manual thumb safety if you train. Now, this EZ had both. It had the thumb safety and the grip safety. So let me tell you what. If, if you're under stress, really high stress, you know, somebody's about to kill you and you draw that EZ 9mm, I don't know, man. I don't know if I'd have 100% confidence in being able to get the first round shot quick enough, quick enough to save my life. Now, I'd like to hear, if, if you know something different, if you have a Smith & Wesson EZ 9mm with a manual thumb safety and a grip safety, let me know. If you've got no issues with that and you're experienced enough and you've trained with it, I think it takes an extraordinary amount of training to be good with that gun. And new shooters, most new shooters, I'm talking about new shooters now, most of them won't put in the kind of training. So I don't think that she's going to end up keeping that gun. I also don't think she'll end up keeping the bodyguard because let's talk about that little Smith & Wesson bodyguard. My sister shot it and after two shots she said, Oh, I hate this thing. Ouch. Okay? It, it was hurtful. It was hurting her hands. First of all, the trigger is very bad. It's a really long, hard, double-action trigger. You know, when I shoot a double-action-only trigger, I'm used to a nice, high-quality revolver or a car arms double-action-only gun. Those are nice, smooth, even though they're long, they're smooth double-action triggers. Now... The, the Bodyguard 380 kind of feels like a cheap revolver. Uh, a revolver that's not real high quality. It's got a real hard 12-pound, really tough trigger pull. And then the other thing is, that little Bodyguard 380, it's punishing for some people. 
the recoil is punishing. When I shot it, I was ringing the steel target at 12 yards with almost every shot. It's a very accurate gun, you know, but I have 18 years of experience of doing this and, and many, many tens of thousands of rounds of training and competition downrange. So the Smith & Wesson Bodyguard 380 was not too bad for me. Although, let me tell you, compared to the Glock 42, it, it's punishing. It's a, it's a snappy little punishing gun. Kind of like my Car Arms P380. Same type of thing. A snappy little punishing gun. And uh, the Bodyguard didn't even shoot as nicely as my Ruger LCP2. My Ruger LCP2 is actually even nicer to shoot than the Bodyguard 380. So, <clears throat> that's what I want to say about those two guns. That's why the G19 Gen 4 and the Glock 40, 42 were the biggest hits of the class. Out of the four guns, those were the most popular. And they got shot the most. And it was a, it was a lot of fun. That's what I want to say. That's the feedback I, it was just a basic beginner's class. I spent a lot of time on gun safety. I spent a lot of time on the proper grip of a handgun, which almost every new shooter struggles with, the proper grip on a handgun. Now, the proper grip is not the same for everybody. It depends on their hand type, their hand strength, their upper body strength, their arm strength, their wrist strength. I analyze all that when I'm working with somebody. And usually in about 10 minutes, I can figure out what somebody physically can and physically cannot do. And so I, I, I shape the course towards them. I shape, when I, at least when I work individually with them. Not shaping the course, but when I work individually with that person, I adjust my training based on what it appears to me that they physically can and physically cannot do. Uh, my sister's still relatively young and strong and... You know, I, I worked with her a little bit differently than I did with her mother-in-law who didn't quite have the strength and is 25 years older. All right. So, and then, of course, the 11-year-old girl, you know, she had a whole lot of strength. It was just a fear factor. I had to get her over the fear. And I'm pretty good with, same thing with my wife, you know, when, when I first put a handgun in her hands. Now, the first handgun I ever had her shoot was my Glock 42. She was afraid to shoot, shoot the Glock 19 at first. But when she shot now the Shadow Systems MR920, that's her favorite gun to shoot. My Shadow Systems MR920. That's her favorite. It's much bigger than the G42. Okay. Uh, she also liked the, the Sig P365 pretty well. And, uh, but that can be, even that can be a little bit too intimidating for some new shooters. Generally, the bigger the gun, as long as it's not too big, generally the larger the gun, the more the new shooters like it, uh, especially when they get over the fear of the size of the gun. And of course, we all, a lot of us here know that a G19, that's not really a big gun. A Shadow Systems MR920, it's not really a big gun. M&P 2.0 Compacts, not really a big gun. Not to us, not to those of us who are experienced and been shooting quite a while. But somebody who's like never shot a handgun before or somebody who is brand new, sometimes just looking at it and the size of it and picking it up can make them be afraid of it until 
they shoot the first magazine. <laughs> then they realize, oh, this is great. This is fun to shoot. Man, how nice this is. Now I know why people like these guns. Yes, yes, now you know why people like those handguns. Which is why the final thing I'll say about new shooters and new gun owners. If you're going to the store to buy your first gun, and there's still a lot of people that are going to be doing that soon, please, there's two things I want you to consider. The first thing when you're going to buy your first handgun is, what guns have you rented and shot? Or what guns of friends or relatives have you shot? Have you shot at least five or six different types of handguns? Different types. Maybe with different trigger types or just different styles and systems of guns. Have you shot five or six? If you did not, don't buy anything, please. If your uncle said, go buy XYZ gun, don't go buy that gun. If your best friend said, hey, you know what's a good gun? Go buy ABC brand in, uh, in 9mm. Get one of those. They're really good. Don't buy that right away. Just because it's good for your uncle does not mean it might be good for you. Just because it's good for your best friend doesn't mean it might be good for you. If your brother or your sister says, oh, go buy this gun over here, don't go buy that gun right away. In other words, my point is don't listen to what other people say. Go try the gun yourself. Listen to yourself. Listen to when you shoot it, how do you feel? How does it make you feel when you shoot it? Do you want to shoot more of it or do you want to put it down and say, no more? I don't want to shoot that anymore. That's what you need to listen to. And the only way, you know, find somebody that owns a lot of guns. Uh, I'm happy if somebody's a new shooter and they want to go to the range. I'll happy, I'm happy to take several of mine. Which, by the way, that's how my sister decided to purchase her gun. She was here visiting several years ago. And I think I had seven different guns for her to shoot. She picked the Glock 42. And that was it. But she shot them all. She shot all the guns I had, and she ran at least a full magazine through each one. That's what you should do, new shooters. And again, I'm going to finish with saying, men, men, if your wife wants a gun, please don't go buy one for her. Please let her buy her own. Give her the money, or go ahead and pay for it, but let her her pick her own okay that's it so now I'd like to talk about a class I'm going to take remember this is a listener supported show please help me out go to patreon use my Amazon store by the way you can also sign up for email notifications on my show and get a free article you can get my article for free Entitled, Because I Can't Carry a Cop. Good PDF document. It's a good read. Wrote it all by myself. And I, it's just, I compiled a bunch of experience over the years that I've had. And I put it in writing. If you sign up for email notifications. Or if you just sign up to get my, my article and, and more in the future. 
Just by doing that, you get that for free. And again, all you Patreon members, you're already getting it. Hopefully, you've already read it. Plus, you're getting all the videos and all the audio podcasts. Great interviews at Patreon. It's at, at patreon.com slash handgunworld. You're going to like a lot of those. Okay. Carl Wren, one of my favorites. Carl Wren, KR Training. In October, I think on the 21st, he's teaching an advanced handgun class. It's a one-day class, and I'm most likely going to be there. And the next day, I might, maybe, possibly, if my if my time allows for it, I might take the Defensive Pistol 3 class that he's teaching the next day. But advanced handgun. I've taught advanced handguns, handgun classes before. I've taught many advanced handgun classes. I've taught Beyond Concealed Carry Advanced. I need a refresher. And all instructors should go get training. All instructors should seek training. Um, I'm going to tell you, folks, if you are considering a handgun instructor, you need to find out from him or her which training classes they have taken. Most of them will put it on their website or they'll put it on their Facebook page. If they don't, find that out. Okay? They, if, you, if you have an instructor that's not seeking training on a regular basis, you might be a little bit skeptical of that person's ability. Okay? So I'm going to go take advanced pistol in October when it's not 104 stinking degrees like it is here in South Texas right now. Middle of October should be pretty nice up in Central Texas where KR training is. And uh, check them out. KRtraining.com. Carl Wren's going to be teaching this class is what the schedule says. And John Daub is also involved with KR training and um, uh, it's a it's a good it's a good place. I've been there before. I've taken uh, three classes there. I've taken Defensive Pistol 1, 2, and 3. And I want to take Defensive Pistol 3 again, possibly. So I highly recommend them if you're either in Central Texas or South Texas or you're not too far away. Check out what krtraining.com has to offer. Again, not a paid advertisement, just my experience and you'll find a link in the show notes for them. Well, that's it. What kind of experiences do you have as a new shooter? Or those of you who have trained some new shooters? Tell me. I'd like to hear. You can send me an email at handgunworld at gmail.com. I'll put a comment on Facebook because I always put a thread on Facebook for each of my shows or even on Twitter, uh, or at handgunworld.com. You can put comments there. And uh, I'd like to hear, or if you really want to, call into my voicemail. It's still active. 210-646-1727. I'll put you on the show and answer your question or comment on the show. 210-646-1727. That's it, folks. Uh, Thanks again for tuning in. So I took some time off, and it was good. I'm back now. Should have a plan here to do these shows every week again soon. I might be appearing on another podcast soon. I'll let you know about that. In the meantime, until we talk next time, 
Shoot straight. Shoot safe. Please read your Bible every day. And I'll talk to you again in next Ireland, week. in Lebanon, in Palestine, in Berkeley.